Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. All right, bleachers are open. It's been a good, good week. Uh, I got to be honest, I have not been watching March Madness because I have been totally keyed on what's going to happen in that free agent market. And it just so happens with us timing the release of our podcasts, it has allowed us the opportunity to see some of these transactions unfold. Some of the big names coming off the board over the weekend in Major League Baseball. And that's what we do here in the bleachers. This is Bleacher Blums. I am Jeff Blum, and I got my co-host, David Tuttle, out there on the left coast, holding things down and doing a good job. And I I have not been paying attention to March Madness, but I know that you have, Tuttle. How was your weekend out in Vegas again, your second home? Yeah, my second home, apparently. Uh, it was great. I mean, you know, go with some old friends, and we have a good time. And I have been paying attention to March Madness, probably too much so in that I don't watch any college basketball till the Thursday morning tip off and then it's like <laughs> oh I know everything about college basketball so uh it's been uh it was it was a lot of fun you know I had a re- really good time when I went with you guys and uh you know I I enjoy Vegas I wouldn't call it my second home but these are good old friends of mine and uh we got to watch a lot of basketball but I will say I know you always hold down the fort with the uh, baseball stuff but we had talked about free agency opening and kind of the floodwaters or the floodgates, excuse me, starting to you know open when one or two people signed, and I think uh, I don't know. I think obviously it's happening. So uh, we don't know what happened behind the scenes in all these places. I don't think uh, I don't think there was a lot going on with your your main signing probably prior to, but uh, I don't know. That name Boris always seems to pop up somewhere. So yeah, no, we'll talk about it a little bit now. When you're when you're old and you have old friends, are they older friends? Are they old, old friends? How do we, is that the right terminology? Yeah, what? that's a great, I like it. I, uh, good old friends, maybe? You guys are good old friends? Because we are all old. I mean, let's face it. And, <laughs> and honestly, we're finally in that range where we're like, yeah. we are old and we have old friends that are old. Well, I'll tell you what, two things. One is, you, uh, like a lot of the guys, we played basketball. So when I, when I retired from baseball, these are guys I met at the park and we would play basketball. So half the guys still play and half don't. So that'll tell you as we creep into age, right? So <laughs> we had 25 guys playing and now about 12 of those guys play and we've had an infusion of their children and friends and kids playing. So yeah, it's definitely good old friends for sure. That's outstanding. Yep. It's been an interesting week. I'm probably going to, this podcast is going to be probably strictly just like for me personally on my side of the scale, it's just going to be strictly about Carlos Correa because we just got news that Carlos Correa, wait, hold on a sec. I'm going to hold on. I I totally, I got to back the bus up. Oh no, Ramo! I need I need Mark Ramos to to turn on his mic, get on this thing real quick because we're talking about March Madness, and there's two teams that I'm actually watching in this tournament. Obviously, one of them is Arkansas, the other one is whose house? Cougs house. That's right, the Cougars moving on. They they actually, what I loved about this triumvirate that we have right here is that Tuttle gets to go on our little text thread and go, "Hey man, what the Cougs by twelve? Can we do it?" And guess who pipes up bigger than life is uh, Mark Ramos and says, hell yeah, make that bet. And you won money on that one. So that worked out pretty well. I did win money. And, uh, you know, it's hard to bet with your heart, but I'll bet with somebody else's heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's always good because then you can blame it on them, right? That's right. 
Yeah, so uh, Ramos went, uh, he went big time with uh, saying that the Cougs were uh, going to go through, and they went through again today. So you're going to talk about Carlos Correa exclusively. I'll chime in on some of the free agent signings, but I also may have, I kind of have an interesting, I think, March Madness little tip for the end. All right. I think we are going to get into the thick of it. We are recording on a Sunday night, so we have got big plans as far as the family's concerned. Big barbecue night here at the Blumhouse. I've got about six fillets ready to go on the Ooh. bobby. And, uh, man, I need vegetables like nobody's business. It might be too much information for this podcast, but, wow, it'd be great to get some uh, roughage in there. Kind of clean the pipes out a little bit. You want more? I can keep going. Mm. No? No, no, no. I think that's that's good enough. I think that's not That's not what you tuned in for? (laughs) Or do we need to – maybe we should explain more. You know, roughage? No. Get some spinach and some asparagus in there. Yeah. Anyways, it it has been an absolute uh, chaotic weekend if you're a baseball fan because not only have games started on Friday the 18th, and so we've got action. I actually think with the way that the the CBA has worked out, I think it's great that they're able to get some spring training games in because you get to see fans in the stands, and the sooner you get fans in the stands watching the game, this is just a personal opinion and watching and trying to track what's going on on the social media, is I think it's really good for the turnaround of the sport to see those fans get in early before the regular season starts. And we're starting to see some guys kind of mix into the lineups. I don't think the Astros have played a regular yet, to be honest with you. But I know that I watched a game the other night, uh, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. They had uh, they had pretty much their A team in there for a couple of at-bats. And then I saw the Mariners with a couple of their new acquisitions. They had their, their guys in the lineup. So things are trending in the right direction. And I do think that a little bit of those games starting kind of led into what this free agent frenzy turned into over the weekend with – the signing of Nick Castellanos going to the Philadelphia Phillies. They also signed Kyle, Schwar- or Kyle Schwarber. I think the Phillies are going to be a force to reckon with, but that National League East is going to be crazy with the New York Mets. Uh, who else do we have? We had Trevor Story just recently. I think it was today, right before we recorded today. this, signing yep. with uh, the Boston Red Sox. But the one I want to talk about is obvious, Carlos Correa. Who dat? Who dat? Yeah, he gone is what it is. He gone and he has moved, oddly enough. There are so many things to peel back on this because everybody, he was the number one most coveted shortstop, number one, but he was also probably the most coveted offensive free agent in the market. And when I got news, it happened about one o'clock in the, you know, on Friday night, you know, so everybody was asleep. We all woke up to the news, I think, on Saturday. And I was shocked, to be honest with you. Not, not in the sense that he didn't sign with the Astros. I think a lot of us felt there was 50-50 on whether or not he would stay. And obviously, the other 50% won out because he left. But the size of the contract and where the contract ended up is what blew me away. Minnesota for $105.3 million over three years. And Carlos Correa has an opt-out after the first year, after the second year. And obviously, if he fulfills the contract, he'll play all three years in Minnesota. But I've got, I, you know, I'll tell you my gut reaction and maybe some of my opinions, but I want to hear what you have to say first, Tuttle, because you're, you're in it, but you're kind of on the outskirts of being in it. You're not as emotional as every Astro fan is right now. There, there, was a, there really wasn't the reaction I was anticipating, but I was, I was thoroughly shocked with uh, the signing and where he went. What were your thoughts when you first heard Carlos Correa was going to Minnesota? Yeah, it's funny because um, exactly what you said. Uh, we touched on this earlier. I was in Las Vegas, and so occasionally you get updates on your phone. It said Carlos Correa signs three-year, $105 million deal, and you're like, huh. 
he's he did a short-term contract that seems weird and then of course as soon as you start to look at he has opt out after year 1 opt out after year 2 I'm looking at this as a one-year contract and you know I, I Me too. we've said this I before am. we're not a con- conspiracy theorist but I'm sure Boris put together a, a book about this thick like encyclopedia thick and said look next year this is what the free agent market's going to look like these are the teams these are the guys that you're going to be competing against for payroll dollars so I, I'm sure this was strictly a business decision. Now, there are a couple other things that came out afterward, and I know you're going to touch on those, so I don't necessarily want to let that cat out of the bag. But it will be interesting to hear if he lets anything out of the bag in terms of what, you know, how the negotiations went with the Astros or with other teams, or if he's just going to move on to Minnesota. And, um, you know, what does is, what is Belichick always say? We're on to Cleveland, something like that. We're on to Cleveland. We're on to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. So Carlos and Scott can just say, yeah, we're on to Minnesota. But uh you know, it's a it's very unique deal that he did. So there's a business end to it, but you you know you played this for a long time. I'm more curious to know if Houston's your home and that's really where you wanted to be, and you're having these discussions about a six year or seventh year or you know the tail end of the contract. Do you go home and have dinner with your wife and your kids and your family and your you know your your loved ones or your confidants and say, yeah, I'd really want to stay in Houston, and then do you follow the business? I don't know. I mean, I wonder if. I wonder if Scott or you know anybody else said no. You got to do this. You got to do this for the players. You got to do this first. So that's where it always gets a little fuzzy. So I'm sure you have some thoughts on that, Blummer. I do. And and I'm, and at first I'm going to read this this uh, it was a snippet out of a USA Today article, or maybe out, no, it was out of the Houston Chronicle, wow. and it was written by Brian T. Smith, and it said earlier in the year Correa turned down a five year, one hundred and sixty million dollar offer from the Astros. That sounds about $55 million better than the deal he just got from Minnesota. Correct. He also turned down a 10-year, $275 million offer from the Tigers. Now, that would have put him, obviously, at $27.5 million a year. Under the current contract he has with Minnesota, he's at $35 million a year. So there's that discrepancy. But it would have been that 10-year deal that he was looking for, but not for the annual uh, average value that he wanted. Uh, So he... uh, agreed to a heavy opt-out contract with Minnesota to play in the American League Central. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously are on Blue Wire Pods uh, podcast network, so they are affiliated with WinBets, and this came out from WinBets. How about, and you love this, Tuttle. You just got back from Vegas. We're talking about March Madness. We like to bet, say, you know, don't bet on it, but if we were, and how about these for World Series odds? The Minnesota Twins were in the bottom, the basement of the American League Central. They sign Carlos Correa. The odds at WinBet, so that's at Win W Y N N B E T, went from eighty to one before Carlos to sixty-six to one following the Carlos Correa signing on Friday, hmm. and they still trail the White Sox, who are at twelve to one, and the Tigers are still ahead of them at forty to one. So it's kind of interesting to see that he would not only choose the the Minnesota Twins and choose a division where they're stacked with the with the Chicago White Sox. My question, Tuttle, is how come no other team tried to match that or better it for Carlos Correa? Do you think it's because they understood it to be that one-year deal you were talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it makes sense to me. I mean, 10-275 sounds a little short, actually, mm-hmm. for me. Doesn't I it agree. compare to especially after have, what uh, Kyle Seager got in uh, in Texas? I think he's closer to thirty two million. Yeah, Corey Seager, right? 
Corey Seager, yeah, sorry. Yeah, brothers, I, I know they're brother brothers. No, 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 you got it. I just wanted to make sure because I, I tend to miss it. Oh, you're right. You know. That's why you're on the West Coast. You got to pick me up. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Cor- Corey Seager <laughs> has a big deal. I know that, you know, the Tatis deal and all those things. I mean, you know, there are comparators out there, right? So um, I wonder what, I just wonder if he just was going to try and break the bank. And if he didn't feel like he could break the bank, I go back to my original point, you know, do a one year deal and see where he ends up. I think, gosh, 10 years, 275 sounds pretty good to my bank account and playing for AJ Hinch, who you really like. Um, Ooh, and then you were saying, step you. up. Hey, same, but, but then you were stepping up like, what what did the Astros offer? Where were they in this mix? Because mm-hmm. you know the hometown discount doesn't necessarily have to come into play. But you mentioned there was five years, one sixty, which does, that also sounds a little short because he wanted a longer term deal. But mm-hmm. gosh, if you're the Astros and you offer eight years and two twenty five or something like that, or eight years two forty, mm-hmm. you're cutting out those last two years, but your your average annual value is getting there. I mean, this is something for spot track to get into. My math ain't great, but you know, yeah, right. But I mean, you you could get in that realm, and the hometown discount would just be knocking off a year or two. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, and so it sounds like to your point, the reason nobody matches because his agent or his representatives put out there that we're now going to do a one year deal. Who wants a one year deal? I think you're exactly right, and I think that is one of those things. Even with that being said, I think that with Boris coming on and the understanding that this could be a one year contract, if he opts out after one year, then he negotiates a bigger contract. Obviously, that goes into the purse of Scott Boris because Carlos over the over the lockout changed agents. I don't know the logistics on who gets what money and how that works out, but you know, I almost came to the understanding that that first year of the contract is for the previous agent. Anything after that goes to Scott Boris. I don't know. But I think that has something to do with it. And I think that's why the Minnesota Twins took a flyer on it. Because what do they have to lose? It's $35 million. They're not going over the CBT. They want to put butts in the seats too. They're going to show up and watch Carlos Correa. But to that point, if, if you are the Astros, why wouldn't you try and match that deal, even if you just get Carlos for one more year? Who knows? Yep. Maybe it's one more year to for him to figure out that he wants to stay in Houston for a little bit longer, and he can negotiate that contract a little bit more long-term, or it gives you a little more clarity on why you want Carlos Correa in your lineup. Now, if I'm the, you know, if I'm the New York Mets, if I'm the, man, I wrote down a couple of teams. If I'm the, how about this? If I'm the Texas Rangers, I mean, I know they've got a, two shortstops already up the middle, but wouldn't I want to try and piss off Astro fans and be like, hey, yeah. we'll, we'll sign Carlos Correa. We'll, we'll find a place for him to play at, you know, at shortstop. We'll move Corey Seager for a year. Who knows? I thought right. that would have been highly entertaining. The one that kind of tripped me out a little bit is the Angels. I, the Angels need a shortstop. And if you could add, could you imagine for a year, Artie Moreno saying, okay, I'll give this guy $35 million a year. It may be only for one year, or if it's for three years, so what? I'm going to have Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, uh, Anthony Rendon, Justin Upton. Show, I mean, what? Are you kidding me with that? I would have paid that money just to see you know, the fans' reactions in the American League West when Carlos Correa moves into an already star-studded lineup. That would have been insane to me, but... I think those are the contributing factors that kind of scared some of these teams away. But still, taking a one-year flyer on a perennial all-star like Carlos Correa, uh, I think that would have been uh, an easy decision for any organization across the league. You know, you wonder if they actually announced that it would be a one-year deal because you think they would have shopped that for sure. <laughs> it's funny you how we're talking about it like that, right? 
Yeah, but they might not have even done them. I said, hey, let me just do this. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's why you pay people to do things for you in that realm. You don't have to get your hands dirty, and you know they can tell you what the best kind of place for you is in the market. You mentioned last podcast that the Angels, you thought Artie Moreno, similar to what he did for Albert Pujols at one point, could go deep into the pocketbooks and maybe be the long-term signing for him. And we yeah. talked about Correa and Rendon and Trout and you know this guy that pitches and hits, you know, Otani. On one squad, that would have been amazing. And to your point, if they just threw a one-year deal out there, that would have even made more sense for the Angels to get him mm-hmm. for one year, even if at $35, 40000000 million for one year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not you're not worried about the CBT. You're not worried about any of that stuff. You're just going to do one year. And if you actually have success with that, you know, there's more money in the coffers to make the deal. I knew, it's funny, you just reminded me, but I knew he was not a Boris client. And mm-hmm. um, it's funny when they said, oh, his agent, and Scott Boris. And I was like, oh, man. So my my one agent story when I started, you know, when I re- finished baseball, and we've talked about how difficult it is to find something else to do. I started working for a, a smaller agency, but uh, I knew your guys really well. And Arn and, you know, um, Joel, I knew Arn better than Joel, but I knew that organization mm-hmm. had uh, had, you know, Barry Zito for a long, long time, yep. including his Cy Young year. And then... You know, here comes Scott right along that time to get him the 112 or whatever he got him for the Giants. And it was just Mm -hmm. the most, it's a really, you got to really find guys that are genuine and, you know, meaningful because I think anybody at that point, I could probably negotiate Carlos Correa's deal right now, as could you, (laughs) in terms of what he wants for his family, what he's going to negotiate. I mean, I wouldn't have to put together an encyclopedia, but... I mean, I, and I don't mean that to to discount the the lawyerly aspect and the job aspect. I mean, you've had an agent for a long time, and you know they've done a great job for you. I just, I just, you know, it's as a true fan. You were talking about how I'm a little disconnected from it now. Looking from the outside in, it's kind of like, oh man, just he got his hands in there, got his claws in there. But um, back to the Correa thing. I mean, isn't it? Doesn't it almost always come down to the player and the team? Um, yes. So Carlos Correa has the final say, and it sounds like he was either not interested in coming back or he didn't feel like um, that it was a possibility. Yeah, I feel like there's a little more underneath there. I don't know if we'll ever get the full story, you know, if Carlos is going to talk about it or if, you know, Jim Crane and James Click are going to talk about it or if Dusty's going to have anything to say about it. But the fact of the matter is Carlos has moved on and we're going to move on to a commercial break right, right here. But when we come back, I'm going to discuss a little bit on why maybe he signed with uh, Minnesota or what is actually going on there. I had some thoughts on that. So enjoy this word from our sponsor. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. 
That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are back. Thank you for that, uh, for hanging in there through that word from our sponsors here on the Blue Wire podcast. I am Jeff Blum. You can get to me on Instagram and Twitter uh, by typing in the handle at Blummer27. And you can also get to Tuttle on both Instagram and Twitter by typing in the handle at Real David Tuttle. And uh, I just got one more, th- a couple more thoughts on uh, Carlos Correa signing with Minnesota. And I already talked about how tough that division is going to be. The cold weather, I think, is going to be an issue because if you've been in Minnesota for April and May, you don't know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to be chilly. It's an outdoor stadium. He's had some good games in that ballpark and made it look small. But again, you know, playing in that cold weather consistently and in that division in the central, you're going to be going on road trips where you're going to find some of that cold weather too. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he handles that. Uh, the guy is going to rake anywhere, so I don't worry about that. It's just when and how and who he does it against is probably more of the question. It's a small market. I was kind of curious to see him go to a place like Minnesota that has that smaller market, a little more of a hometown feel. Are the fans going to be more conducive to you know his past situation regarding that 2017 season? That's going to linger a little bit. I know that when the Astros went through Minnesota, they were throwing trash cans on the field and things like that. So is he going to face that, or is it going to be a little bit less than it would have been in some of these bigger markets where maybe entertaining the idea of bringing in a guy like Carlos Correa? How about the fact that Carlos Correa, and a lot of the Astros, to be honest with you, it's amazing how Springer, Altuve, Carlos, Yuli, and some of these guys have put up just monster numbers in the postseason. I think it's a pretty safe bet that uh, Minnesota is not going to go to the postseason this year. So is that you know I, that's something I thought that would have gone into the thought process for Carlos Correa because his legacy is so good in the regular season and then the postseason it's even greater. And how about think about this too from Minnesota's side? I already talked about how thirty-five million is not going to hurt their payroll tax. They, he's a guy that's going to be entertaining. He's going to put butts in the seats. People are going to buy tickets both on the at home and on the road. What if the Minnesota Twins are as bad as I think they could be in that division and they say, hey, we'll trade Carlos Correa. He's a commodity now. All of a sudden, you've got this guy for $35 million. You've paid $15 million of his contract. You trade him away and get three or four prospects in return, and you ship some of that contract over there, and you're, you just wipe your hands clean. He's moving on. That's another idea because you know what? I read recently, and you'll love this. This is a little SoCal connection in this whole uh, Minnesota situation is, you know, much like the Houston Astros, they're going to be forced to make a decision with, is it going to be Alex Bregman? Is it going to be Jeremy Pena? Is it going to be Aledmus Diaz? But on Minnesota's side, they have a young man who came out of Jay Sarah named Royce Lewis, who is a very good shortstop, high prospect status, coming off an injury, needs a full season of seasoning before he might make that jump to the big leagues. And now you've got that all-star buffer in front of him that possibly could be traded. So those are some of the things that have kind of gone through my skull a little bit as far as thinking about what what is happening for Carlos in Minnesota and how is Minnesota going to handle Carlos Correa. So I'm not too sure to be honest, if Minnesota should really dig their their nails into having a guy like Carlos Correa. It's going to be a blast when they have him, but I don't think he's going to be able to establish himself as well as he did here in Houston. You got any thoughts on that, Tuttle? Of course. 
A couple things. One is, you know, I think you're right. We look at it always as players or ex-players. We look at it from the player's perspective. But, you know, maybe the Minnesota front office was thinking about, you know, like you said, a sound business decision. He'll, you know, if we trade him before the deadline for two or three prospects, that's only 18 million or whatever, you know, 17 and Mm -hmm. a half million. And, you know, for half the season doesn't affect the CBT or the, um, you know, the collective uh, tax I guess what is that? The CBT competitive balance. Yes, thank you. The competitive balance tax. But um, anyway, but so the front office could have some leverage. To your point, um, the the Royce Lewis thing is interesting as well. My daughter plays soccer here, and we were down at Jay Sarris Field the other day, and they have their ex athletes there. They have these big posters. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Royce Lewis. I wonder what happened to that guy. He just got drafted in seventeen or eighteen. I know he was only eighteen years old, but mm-hmm. you know we had a COVID year and all that other stuff, but. You know, as he comes into his own, like you said, now he's got to be 21 or 22 years old. He's obviously an uber prospect. There's some good things that can happen there. And I think because the opt-out, maybe if Carlos moves to Minnesota and really likes it, you know, and he stays there, then what are they going to do with their number one prospect? Maybe he becomes a, <laughs> a trade bait as well. So, you know, ifs and buts, right? If Ifs, ifs oh, and yeah. buts were candy and nuts. There's a lot of what-ifs at this point, but I think you brought up the two key points. One is... Maybe Minnesota, Minnesota, excuse me, Minnesota has a plan for him. And then the other, the other uh, kind of thing that we talked about is he's, you know, a fantastic postseason player. And I've said this before, but we got to give the lineup credit too. I mean, when you have Bregman and Altuve Very and Brantley, true. and you know, and you, when Gonzalez was there as a, you know, as a utility guy, and you have, of course, the batting champion over there at first, Yuli Gurriel. I mean, <laughs> you know, you got a lot of guys around you that, you know, I don't want to pitch around this guy or that guy. I got to be careful. You go to Minnesota. And now you're the big dog in the lineup, and yeah, we're not going to give you as you know as good a pitches to hit, and you won't have as many runs to drive in. And so, to your point, I mean, he's not going to forget how to play baseball. He's obviously one of the top ten players in the game in terms of position player. That's why he was a commodity. But you know, sometimes these money decisions maybe don't affect you uh, the way you want them to. No, that that is an excellent point, and you know that that being said, those are very good points. I, I like the idea, and that's something we'll have to dig into throughout the course of the season. Is how does how does Carlos Correa on his own in a lineup where he is the guy? How does that affect his at bats and how he's being pitched? Do they pitch around him? Is he going to get frustrated? He's not going to have you know the, the Minnesota Twins are not a high on base percentage team like the Astros are, so the opportunities to drive in runs may be a little bit different uh, because once you get out of this lineup, I agree with Tuttle that things change not just a little bit, but pretty drastically when you go from a Houston Astros lineup to a Minnesota Twins lineup. And no offense to those guys, they're just not as good as the Houston lineup is. But uh, I think that, you know, for an Astro, I'm an Astro fan and I'm also a Carlos Correa fan, having gotten to see him grow. We literally watched him, you know, be birthed into the major leagues and develop into this, you know, this Man, generational shortstop for me, one of the he best. He went from I've ever a boy seen. to a man in front of your eyes, right? Yeah, literally, and and, and it, it, so you got to know him, and he treated me the same from the beginning to the end. So, for him landing in Minnesota, it almost hurts a little bit less because he's not going to a contending team or a rival or somebody who really kind of gets under your skin a little bit. So for the time being, it, it feels like a separation. And I just want to wish Carlos Correa the best. I know a lot of Astro fans wish him the best also because of what he meant to this community. But uh, he was he was very good to me. I really appreciated him. I've actually had a chance to have some interaction 
to be honest, since he signed with Minnesota. And he, he had very kind words to, for, for me and my broadcast team. But Carlos, best of luck to you until those six games you play against the Houston Astros, where I know that there's going to be a lot of emotion around that. But uh, all the best to Carlos Correa moving on. Nice, Blummer. Nice. And um, let, let me just give point-counterpoint with what you said about the lineups, too, and then we can move on. I was going to say that we talk about free agency, we talk about where the Astros were moving to a team like Minnesota, but um, you know Bryce Harper supposedly was lobbying the seal Russell Wilson thing, lobbying to get out of Seattle. Um, they signed Schwarber, I think Schwarber, six years, $79 million, something like that. And they were like, all right, well, they're probably done in the free agent market. And then yesterday they go and get Castellanos, or Friday they get Castellanos. And I think so, you know, you mentioned early on in the podcast the Phillies are, you know, trying to compete with the Mets and be in contention. But that's the kind of lineup where, you know, you add a guy, you mentioned the Angels for Carlos Correa, which I know is not going to happen this year, but the Phillies all of a sudden, you know, with Reese Hoskins and now you have Harper and Schwarber and Castellanos and all of a sudden there's a lineup like, you know, you don't want to face. I mean, if they can get the pitching together, we've said this about the Angels as well. And so you look at the free agent markets and payrolls and, you know, some of these decisions just, I don't know, they're kind of puzzling and, and you wonder if, you know, it's not sandbagging or, you know, or, or throwing games, but man, I mean, you, you can kind of tell which teams are all in and which ones aren't. And it'll be really yeah, interesting to see with losing the kind of hardier lineup, which way the Astros go this year, because they still have a great lineup. They still have some big all-stars. They have Verlander coming back, some other pitching coming back, but it just feels like, and I think to your point, wishing him well, I mean, it feels like there's going to be a, be a big hole to fill and it'll be interesting to see if it gets filled or how it gets filled. Yeah, I agree. Because there, because not only is it uh, what he gives you on the field, it's also what he gave you off the field. He was, you know, he was the one, you know, dropping f bombs and Ken Rosenthal, you know, interviews and stuff like that. If you don't know the facts, then you gotta chill. He really took on that leadership role for the Astros during some tumultuous times, and I, you know, how do you fill that void? Uh, some of the interviews coming out of the clubhouse have been uh, very professional. Nothing, you know, nobody really digging in and saying, oh, we're going to miss them. How are we going to survive? But they're, they're they're a good professional clubhouse. They understand the business of the game. And unfortunately, this is how it works. We were just very fortunate to have them for six years of probably Astros' greatest era of baseball, going to three World Series, winning one of them. And talking about the Phillies making some signings, we keep talking about the Mets. Guess who else is in that division? The defending oh, World yeah. Series champions. By the way. <laughs> and, and they get Ronald Acuna hopefully back uh, you know, at some point during this season after his ACL injury. But, uh, yeah, kind of crazy to think about there in the National League East how tough that's going to be. But uh, right. uh, we actually get to see them this year. Uh, the, the American League West is playing the National League East in the uh, interleague play, which is going to go away next season and go to a balanced oh, yeah. schedule, which I'm kind of looking forward to. But – Good things happening in baseball. We are playing games. Tuttle and I are excited. Some of these free agent pieces are starting to fall into place. I will be broadcasting a game later, one game this week later, which I can't wait to and probably talk a little more baseball. But uh, there's a lot more going on out in the sports world, isn't there, Tuttle? There is, yeah. So that leads us into March Madness. We touched on that a little bit. I just got back from Las Vegas last night. Um, I know everybody's probably not, at least they, they're not watching the podcast right now when we release it on Monday because they're uh, they're looking at their brackets and crossing off some some names Ooh, like Kentucky. There were a lot and, of people. Yeah, there's a lot of teams. But those are the teams that, you know, kind of everybody loses those games, as we were saying, in the bracket as it goes, the bracket buster. I mean, nobody had St. Peter's winning two games, so you don't have to worry about that. You got to worry about some of the other ones. 
I had a little take as I was looking at some of the lines, and I didn't watch a lot of college basketball all year. And the betters that don't bet on it, the betters always say, you know, you in college you want to bet with the coach. So, you know, bet with I, your I think Tom that's Izzo's. A great point. We've talked no, about this before. That's You're right. right. We have, but. I will say this. So the teams that I like, and then I have one la- one little take about the coach. The teams that I like in the tournament are interesting. And I know Tennessee got knocked out yesterday by Michigan, which is interesting. But I had Tennessee, Texas Tech, Houston, and Auburn. And those four teams oh, wow. are the same exact team, um, in my opinion, which is they're all 6'6 to 6'8. And they switch everything and they play really, really hard, you know, in terms of defense and offense. And they, you know, four or five guys in double digits every night, but there's not one 30 point score. And it's really interesting to see how that game, the game has changed. We were talking about this as they flare out. They play really good. Kind of ebb and flow, isn't it? Yeah, they play really good amoeba defense. They really cover their long, their lean. But Auburn and Tennessee and Tennessee, Texas Tech, excuse me, are all – and Houston, I mean, with Kelvin Sampson, they're all the same team. It's I mean, Houston uh, – who lost their guy? Uh, gosh, uh, maybe it was uh, Houston lost their main scorer. Um, yeah, yeah, they yeah, lost their back injury or whatever. That's it was. right. Yeah. So yeah. he's out for the year and they've, they've remade their team, but man, watching them play today, they're unbelievable. So I'd love to hear some people shout at me, which teams they like, but style wise, that's a new thing. And then the, the take I had was Chris Beard is the coach at Texas now. And we've talked about kind of being a, you know, I guess a favorite versus a contender, um, or an up and comer or a seasoned team in college basketball. When you have seniors, this transfer portal has been unbelievable. I was listening oh, the other gosh, night and they're like, yeah. Yeah, this guy played four years for North Dakota, and now he's in the starting lineup for so-and-so. And you're like, four years, and now he's back. He got the COVID <laughs> year. He's a grad assistant or a grad student. You're like, all right. Mm-hmm. So that has changed, and we've talked about that in football. But So hear me out on this. I'd love to hear your opinion. So Chris Beard was coaching at Texas Tech. He took him to the Final Four. He is known for hard nose. They play defense. They're scrappy, just like the teams I mentioned. Um, but I'm But I'm sure his recruiting pitch when he was at Texas – was, I'm sorry, at Texas Tech, hey, you guys are three-star, three-and-a-half-star guys. Nobody wants you. I'm going to take you in over here at Texas Tech, and we're going we're gonna, to like chip on our shoulder. We're going to play our asses off. And I bring this up because Chris Beer got hired before this year after they let Shaka Smart go, who had been a coach at VCU and came in, and they thought, oh, here's the new up-and-comer. But when you get five-star recruits that are entitled and they can go into the <laughs> transfer portal, it almost doesn't matter how hard-nosed you are. And I've heard this before, right? So Chris Beard's going to try and get these guys. I know Texas still in the tournament. The defense looked good the other night. But I'm just curious, you know, that chip on your shoulder, we've talked about, you know, being together in the clubhouse. I'm wondering if you, I know you don't follow college um, basketball extensively and neither do I, but when you hear that kind of mentality, I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, why Texas has kind of, I don't know. They have the the most money in the you know in probably the country in terms of recruiting and the facilities and all the stuff, but they don't seem to win a whole lot of football games. Basketball is always kind of middle of the road. Do you think, first of all, that Chris Beard, you know, if you know a little bit about him, could turn it around at Texas? And then, what do you think about the old chip on your shoulder and now you've arrived theory? He's either coach at Texas Tech or the coach at UT. So he's now the coach at UT. He took Texas okay. Tech to the Final Four, gotcha. and now he's at UT. Okay. So I and just his wanted to assistant make sure that I understood that. Gotcha. And his assistant is now at Texas Tech, and they're both still in the oh. tournament. But so the the uh, something happened. Was it the early two thousands? Like you know that Vince Young era. You know there were there was an era of Vince Young, and then there was uh, didn't Kevin Durant go to UT? 
He did one and done. So, so there was, you know, there was, there was a time where UT was the place to go. I don't know what happened. The culture completely shifted. Uh, who was it? Mac, uh, well, Ricky Williams was there playing football for a while. I mean, yeah, you know, but they, 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 who was that head coach? It was Mac. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Uh, I wanted to say it's like Mac Jones, s- but that's not right. Mac no, Jones I can is the quarterback. See his is- face right now. And I know our producer probably did. Mac Brown. Thank you yes. very much to, uh, uh Mark Brown. Ramos, our producer who is always, Always checking in and <laughs> listening. Thank goodness. Yeah. So Mac Brown. Brown was there, but he he had the culture of winning. He was able to get those five star recruits, motivate them, keep them there, and keep them going. Now I understand the portal is a whole different animal. So at some point, they've got to turn that thing off and keep guys where they're at, because that's only going to make coaching better. But uh, I think if you bring in a guy like Chris Beard, who took the three, you know, two, three, four star guys and motivated them and made them better, so it was the combination of. Of, of marginal to good talent with very good coaching and you get them to overachieve, I think that's how you get yourself in a situation to, to, to maximize the talent. But I think something happened at UT, and I'd have to talk to somebody internally. Maybe we get Matthew McConaughey on here. I don't know. But <laughs> – he has insight into the basketball That'll program, happen. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll, his voice would just sound better than ours. But right. All right, all right, all right. Something happened in the culture over there. And it's kind of funny now, you know, being in Texas, talking to people who went to UT and understanding the SEC now where Texas is going to be moving in a couple of years and everybody's just laughing their brains out going, man, UT's going to get rolled when they go to the SEC. So I think the culture needs to change or something needs to happen at UT because like you said, facilities, city, competition, there should be a, just a, a, everybody in the state of Texas should be wanting to go there to play basketball, baseball, their baseball team's unbelievable. Their baseball is always good. They've done a very good job on that, but the football and basketball have kind of backed off a little bit and they're looking to, you know, have a resurgence. And I'm, I'm just not sure if they've, they've found that right coach to be able to make that happen. So it's, it's got to turn that way. And I tell you what, if, you know, talking about the University of Houston and talking about coaches and just listening to what Kelvin Sampson's been able to do at UH and hearing how he recruits and some of the guys that he gets, he gets those marginal guys that have almost attitude problems and convinces them to go to UH and he converts them like into men. And all of a sudden he, he I can't remember the poor guy's name that was playing today, but he had a great game. Uh, and he said he had a little bit of an anger issue, but Kelvin Sampson said, harness it. You know, and they had this huge conversation about how Kelvin Sampson said, hey, man, you are who you are. I can't change that. But if we can redirect that into you on the court and producing, then we've got something. And here this kid is. He's leading them in, you know, into the Sweet 16. And I think that's where you're kind of going at. And we try to talk about a little bit on this podcast is the mentality. You can you can make it. You can be a two or three star athlete and you know, turn it into a, a great college career. You can turn it into a scholarship. You can turn it into a big league career. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just the opportunity. But if you get around the right mind and the right coach who puts you in the right situation and encourages you, psh, you know, crazy things happen. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you jumping on that because I didn't, I didn't prep you for that. You know, it's the million dollar arm, five cent head, or vice versa. You know, there's plenty of guys that do more with less from a mentality perspective. But I do mm-hmm. think. It's interesting because Beard and Sampson, Sampson's been around a little bit longer, have the same kind of approach. You would take three four-star guys and really chip on their shoulder, do everything. And it'll be interesting to see it. It'll be interesting to see if he can do that at Texas. And that was really my point because you have Sampson and Beard. Um, his assistant is now at Texas Tech. You have uh, the guy from Tennessee that's at Auburn, the crazy guy. 
oh man, he he had some trouble at uh, Auburn. Bruce yeah. Pearl. 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 Nailed yep, it. Pearl. But those guys have the same kind of coaching style too, which is mm-hmm. so funny. So, um, you know, it's it, you know, just an interesting point. I like watching March Madness for that. Those are the teams that I like. Um, did you fill out a bracket this year? I didn't ask you nope. beforehand. All right. Did not. So I, I'm, I'm a slacker. I'm, all right, I got a West Coast bias going. I got University of Arizona winning it all. I just couldn't go Gonzaga. Gonzaga was down ten yesterday, and oh, they man. still Gonzaga's pulled it out. Gonzaga's playing uh, the the Razorbacks this week too, man. I'm uh, I'm a little anxious about that one because Gonzaga's. I feel like Gonzaga has to have that ten point comeback to win, just to like all yeah. of a sudden they wake up and something clicks and they just go on a run. So yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that worries me about them. Well, I do love Arkansas's coach too, Musselman. He's been around the block a Dude, few Musselman's times. He's awesome. He used to be a regular on Rome's show. And uh, yep. he was an assistant in the NBA, and he was at UNR a couple of years ago. Took them to the tournament. He's a fantastically energetic, entertaining coach. Your daughter will be uh, pleasantly surprised to go watch the games there um, on campus. But uh, I don't know. You got to put your pig suey sweatshirt on and root. But uh, that's going to oh, be a tough God. ass to have them win. You should have filled out a bracket <laughs> just to put Arkansas in the Final Four. I know I should have, but uh, in my mind, that's where I was at. I was already putting those guys in the final four. And, you know, obviously I'm cheering my brains out for UH just because of the attention it brings to Houston and Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about that too, Blum, Blum, is if you were in spring training this year, if you guys had gone to spring training, I would have had six brackets filled out. You would have had six brackets. So this is actually the owners and the players' fault and and uh, the MLBPA because they didn't negotiate soon enough for you guys to 100%. get one hundred percent. You would have 100%. had one hundred percent. You would have had three brackets. You and TK and Julia would have had brackets oh. filled out against each other. Dude, they you would know. have been asking for our money, and I would have been like, "Here, take it all." That's uh, right. Here's, here's six brackets. Here's yeah. who I've got, and it would have been. That's how. That's how spring training is. I that's love right. that part of it. And you couldn't have ignored the USA Today for three days in a row as they put the bracket in there on Tuesday, <laughs> exactly. Wednesday. You're doing the crossword. You're like, oh, there's the bracket. I better fill one out. But uh, yep. you got shortchanged by the uh, the negotiation tactics this year. So anyway, that's I all did. I had. I mean, I, I want U of A to win it all, I guess. But uh, beyond that, I don't have much. Oh, I guess I was thinking that St. Peter's, who did beat Kentucky, and then nobody gave him a chance yesterday against 31-2 and two Murray State. We talked about Shaka Smart. I did. Chris Beard, these mm-hmm. guys that move into jobs. St. Peter's is a small little university in New Jersey. The coach was fantastic on interviews. The first yeah. question the lady asked him, Were, weren't you nervous out there playing Kentucky? He's like, nervous? He's like, this is what I do. I coach basketball. Like He was right. awesome. I and guess what? Answer. Those those two wins, were, let's look for that guy because that guy's going to have a job somewhere uh, very soon. Yeah, that's what happens. They get into the dance, they shock some people, and they show they have the ability to see the yeah. court and uh, motivate guys, and then yeah. they get the opportunity. So that name will be popping up here pretty probably pretty quick in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, USF lost the other night in a close game, and their coach got the Florida job. There you go. I think this guy's I, I'm Shaheen Holloway is the coach at St. Peter's, and he will be coaching, like you said, at a much bigger program very soon. So that's all I got. That's good stuff. No, Tuttle's take is always good, and uh, the March Madness is moving along, so we'll probably talk about that a little bit more. But now that things are starting to iron themselves out in baseball, free agents are still continuing to sign. I will be calling baseball games here in the very near future, so we will have a little more to talk about as far as baseball is concerned. But one thing that we like to do on this podcast is absolutely tout ourselves. And before I get to Mark Ramos, there's something that actually, you know, when, when a GM or a team you know, we make a prediction and it happens, it makes us feel pretty good. But when you actually have the ability to affect national change and go in front of Congress 
and have something voted on that you brought up maybe a year, year and a half ago and have it passed and be ratified and be a law that there will no longer be the daylight savings happening anymore. We will have one set time for a full year for years to come. That's right. Bleacher Blums called it a while ago. (laughs) We we talked about this years ago, I feel like, and it finally happened. Daylight savings time is official and it will never change until they vote to put it back the way it was. But for the time being, damn it, we did it again, Tuttle. We nailed it. We knew it. We did. That's a great blast. I love it. Now, here's the question I always have, because every time they make a law like this, they always say, okay, there's going to be one more time, and this is going to take full effect in whatever, 2025. (laughs) I'm wondering, when the fall hits, do we have to fall back, or are we clean right now? Are we good to go? It's never going to happen again until, like you said, something else happens. Yeah, apparently it, it was voted on, you know, like 15 years ago and it lasted maybe like three months and then they're like, er, they just yeah. they just tore it up and threw it out the window. So hopefully this one sticks a little bit longer, gotcha. but guess what? For this podcast, damn it, we called it and we were right in our prediction, man. Nice. We got to go back and find that in the archives, Mr. Producer Man Mark. Yeah, start digging. But uh, we're actually going to bring Mark on right now if he is able to, because we had a, uh, we always ask everybody to subscribe, rate, review, get on Apple, write those reviews, give us, you know, no less than three stars, damn it. (laughs) Because that, that we read a three star review and we made the adjustment and we actually convinced that person to give us a five star review. But what we're going to do right now is have Mark on and have him read another review that we found on Apple. Thanks, guys. Uh, this one is titled Love This. Mm-hmm. This is from Henry, on uh, who rated us on Apple Podcasts. And he says, the amount of times a day I check to see if there's a new podcast available is crazy. Feel like I can call myself a true baseball fanatic. Thanks for keeping me updated with the truest news. Keep up the good work. Wow. Who is that again? Henry. Thank you, Henry. Henry. You are the best. So how stoked is Henry going to be when he pulls his podcast up? We are up to date on the free agent signings, and he gets his name mentioned. Big day. I didn't know Hank Aaron listened to this. Henry Aaron, that's good stuff. Yeah, Hammer and Hank. Yeah, thank you, Hammer and Hank, for the strong review. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he gets on here, he's listening to us, and he's right. We get the truest news on here. I guess there's some opinion, not always fact in here. We we like to sprinkle in our... uh, our own takes it, on that, it. That's but, uh, the beauty of it, though. That's why we started this podcast. Because, I mean, even though I'm affiliated with the Astros, I still try and, you know, get, give you a very diplomatic opinion, <laughs> whereas Tuttle can go a little more freewheeling. But it's it's always a uh, – it's, it's tempered, isn't it? I mean, you're a little more tempered than I am. But, I mean, it, we do offer the opinion and maybe not that – that ESPN angle or the Fox Sports angle, you know, no, that's, that's it's, right. it's ours, and that's why we have our fans, and that's why that's we right. love them. No, I think you're great. I mean, I think you're pretty loose. You you joke about being affiliated, obviously, with the Astros. I mean, I think a lot of our news maybe is Houston heavy, and you know, when we talk about yeah. California and Houston, that's where we live. But I do think you cut, yeah, you definitely cut loose, maybe even more so than I do. But it's great to hear that uh, you're always checking for updates. We've now checked the app, this Riverside app, and we were going to talk about maybe doing some. Uh, Ooh, so yeah. maybe some short takes as signings come, uh, you know, maybe Could like you imagine short a podcast. spontaneous bleacher. Ooh. Yeah. I'm just saying That'd we should good. probably do it during the week. Text and be like, Hey, I got five yeah. minutes. Let's talk about, you know, whatever the Trevor story signing, um, that's something a good point. like that. I, I think that's a great call. That's why you're on so, the show. Total. We need the input, man. Hey, we need it, but I appreciate you guys adjusting to me. So we always want to, uh, give a shout out to, uh, first responders, of course, fire, 
military around the world. Um, this Ukraine situation, man, I just try and keep the news to a to a dull roar in the house. I, uh, I try and keep it down, but uh, obviously we're not involved there yet. But uh, again, it just always reminds us that freedom is kind of, <laughs> freedom is like, there's there's no compar- comparison to freedom, Gosh, right? We can get on here and we can have opinions and we can say things that we want to. And uh, we owe that all to uh, our military around the world and first responders and people that take care of us and watch our backs. So uh, a big shout out to uh, to military first responders, hospital workers, healthcare teachers. I forgot to mention um, Vegas. We went to Vegas uh, when we mm-hmm. went. I don't I don't remember. Yeah, there was masking, I believe. But this time yeah. we, I just went no masks. It was like oh. it was the most freeing experience. And and California is loosening up too. And I know where you I'm live, Kai. You probably haven't had masks for months, but man, no. it was the most freeing experience <laughs> to walk everywhere and be like, hey, you know, this is what it used to be like. So that's not just, have to go uh, back to your room or back to your car to get the that's mask. Right. You just went. Yeah. How nice. Of course, of course, then I had to find one when I was getting on the airplane. I was like, where's a mask? I don't have a mask. But anyway, <laughs> that's a story for another day. And I will say again that, that that's that's kind of going out to the healthcare workers as well. So if you're over the age of 45, uh, please get screened for colorectal cancer. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. This is a new broadcast schedule, or at least today was. And uh, thanks for being patient. Yep, we're having a blast. Baseball is back. Everybody listening to this podcast this week, you better get after it. Believe it. But, you know, I got opinions, so. You always that's have why, opinions. Swear that's why people shocker. tune in. Yeah. <laughs> Tuttle has opinions, shocker. I've actually heard people say that, like, Tuttle's finally opening up, man. We finally, uh. like, cracked the shell, and now we're getting into the nitty-gritty.